0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I got to tell you something. Uh, I was flipping around Facebook and people kept saying to watch this show, Reacher. And I'd heard great things about it. So I said, you know what? I told Joanne, I said, I'm going to watch this show. She wasn't, she was watching Christmas stuff, whatever. And I ended up, I I sucked into that hole. I ended up sitting there and, and, and one weekend I had like eight all eight episodes, and I remember I watched the finale, like, one morning, when I should have been productive, and and the one actor looked really familiar, and then it came to me that he was on a show that me and Joanne loved called Breakout Kings, and it was one of the things we were pissed off when it got cancelled, because we, we just really enjoyed it, and he's, uh, He's a great actor and I'm I'm glad to have him on, especially after Reacher, and my guest is Malcolm Goodwin. How you doing, man? <laughs>
1: hey Steve. How's it going?
0: <laughs> good. Yeah, it's funny. I was like, he looks for you. we'll get the breakout Kings. It was such a good show. But uh I wanna ask you. You. you know, Reacher was a hit. You know, then you go on strike. The strike happens. How did you deal with the strike? Because my friend Lex Medlin's and uh NCIS, you uh, know, whatever in Vegas, the Vegas show, and he finally becomes a series regular, and they go on strike, right. and he's like, "Oh, how how did this strike affect you as an actor?" Well,
1: as an actor, obviously, uh, no work uh, in terms of uh, no work as an actor, um, but it gave me time as a uh, Writer as a producer as a director, again I used that time to develop other projects that would allow myself to give my give myself opportunities as an actor as well as other people, and as well as um, uh, crews uh, behind the camera as well. So I used that time to develop um, a bunch of material, and also there were a couple of projects that I were able, that I shot years ago because I'm I'm also a director, so I shot some independent projects throughout the years. And it gave me an opportunity to finish those projects and get them out there, and get people to look at them and and sell a couple of them. So that's how I used the strike. But as an actor, I couldn't do anything. So, uh, but it, but uh, you know, obviously, just
0: supporting my fellow actors and supporting the union. Now, let's talk about Reacher before we get about how you got into acting because, as I said, the show is great and your your character was great. Oh, thank and, you, and uh, I appreciate that. What was the process for you getting that show? Because it's. It's Amazon, so you know you're going into eight episodes. And it's, uh, and you know, how did you go about it? Did you, did you have to go through a long audition process? And what did you know about the character when you were auditioning? But tell me the whole process on how you got that role.
1: Well, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you something. It's uh, it's, also, it's connected to Breakout Kings because the showrunner for uh, Breacher is the showrunner for Breakout Kings. And Nick Santora, who's just a good friend, uh, mentor of mine. And he's just been so, so supportive throughout my entire career. And I remember when Reacher got picked up in the trades, um, and I read about it, we talked about it, and he told me there may be some a role that may be right for me, and uh, I was like, cool, if it happens, if I'm available. I was on a show called I Zombie at the time, so I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm supporting it either way. And then uh, I think the, the pandemic delayed it, because I'm not sure... I would have been available if it was shot in 2019 because I was working on another project. But the, the pandemic delayed it, and so it was shot in 2021. So I had an audition for it. I auditioned, put a tape together, and then had to do a, a Zoom. It was my first Zoom test call with the directors and producers in the studio. And uh, it worked out. It worked out. And um, and,
0: and then we went out to uh, Toronto a few Months later and shot it for six months. Now, as an actor, you know, because you have stage background. Everyone, everyone you know, has stage background. A lot of people stage and everything is just acting and you've acted. You're used to going into the room for an audition. Okay. It's right. something I talk yeah. to people who say there's a certain energy in the room, but then also on the tape, if you screw up, you can redo it what 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 do you like better actually because you're also because you direct and you produce so you probably have more of an eye for an actor than most actors do because you book them but what what has been your thought process about the self-tape against in room
1: you know Steve, if you would ask me this question prior to the pandemic my answer would have been on tape now after the pandemic i'm like in the room uh, there is something what I do, There is something that I, do, being from the theater, I love seeing an audience, and you get that instant gratification. Um, I feel like my film and television career started off by me doing really good self tapes, and so, like you said, I'm a director and I have film equipment, so I was able to add a flair to my to my auditions that. Probably other actors couldn't, 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 um, couldn't do because of just the technical technical side of things. Um, that eventually got old. Once everybody had phones, they could, could, could film themselves, get ring lights. So that advantage went out the window. But I love putting myself on tape and also being creative. There's some auditions where you can't make certain choices in that particular room because you don't know exactly what the room's going to present itself. Sometimes it's a chair and you're like, well, I, I kind of rehearsed it standing up. We don't care. Sit down and put this live on and do the scene like that. And then you have to be flexible to make that decision like that or, or vice versa. You know, they go, we want you to stand up. You go, oh, I kind of learned this sitting down. We don't care. Stand up. <laughs> and, the audition. and so, you know, through experience, you learn how to just be adaptable in that room and getting that immediate response from people and from, um, from the room is, is just addicting, especially as, um, um coming from the theater but since the pandemic and now everything is on tape and also the taping can be a trap because what happens is if you give yourself a thousand a thousand takes to do the audition my rule was always to give myself two to three i'm like i'm giving myself two to three chances and i'm making that a habit i don't want to get into the habit of doing 50 60 takes and then i have to go into a room and i need you only get one side in the room so i wanted to make that a habit. So. Um, Huh. My answer would be, it depends on the role. Some roles I think are suitable on tape, and there's some roles, probably the majority of them are better in the room. Well,
0: you know it's funny when you said about, you know, the 50 or 60 takes. You know, I think after, once you get, like, your process is great, two or three, because once you get past a certain point, it's going to get stale. I don't care what you say. Like, you can sit there, like me, I don't write out questions before my interview because right. it gets stale. You know, you still. But I think that's what's good. You have the good attitude because I do think it's like anything. People keep doing it, doing it. You lose that energy because there's something about you know. I do stand up comedy. I only perform once in a while. But back when I was on the road, you know, you get tired after a while. Now I just had a show last week, and there's that energy because I haven't done it in like three months. So I think it's good that you keep it fresh.
1: Yeah, I always say, yeah, it's one of those things coming from theater. I'm like a theater. Theater happens in one take. You know, like you doing stand up. That's one take. You know, there's no do-over. That's uh, you have to get through your set, you have to get through the show, and trying to make and trying to make that uh, habit at least for myself. I was like, if I give myself that many chances, then I may. I don't know how that that affect my performance into the room where I know I got one shot at it. So I just want to, you know, like you said, keep it
0: fresh. Now, what what made you pursue acting? What kind of kid were you? Were you a kid who was, you know into sports or into you know what because I always wonder how actors become you know a lot of actors I've talked to were athletes but then they took an acting class and there was always hot girls and they said oh I'm gonna stick with the acting <laughs> but what what made you uh, what made you get into acting I, I it was it happened through
1: it happened through me writing uh, it was black History Month I, I wrote about dr. Charles drew and um, I was already really good at writing, but this, I was fourth or fifth grade. The teacher was like, okay, we're going to have to recite it. You're going to have to memorize your essay. You're going to have to recite it. And I grew up with a really per- uh, horrible speech problem. I stuttered, I stammered, and I spoke a thousand miles an hour. And um, But on this particular day, when I memorized it, I said my essay in front of this audience, and everyone's mouths b- is... Dropped, I, and they applaud, and everyone was like, "That's the first time we've ever understood a single word you said." <laughs> so apparently, and then it happened again. It, my teacher like memorized this, I memorized something else, and apparently, you talk different when you memorize things versus when you're just talking in life. And um, I had, I was like, when I grow up, I want to be a narrator, and lo and behold, that led to acting. You know. Um, It was through speech. It was through communicating. It's where I felt comfortable. It's where I can do impersonations of my mom, my dad, my friends, my aunties, and you know sneak those personalities into these characters and and express myself. But I was a quiet kid. I was a quiet kid, and the only way, the only only times I was loud was on stage, and that's essentially how it happened. I think it, I really got serious about it in high school. I had auditioned for Laguardia High School. I'm from New York. I'm from New York City. Uh, born and grew up in Brooklyn, Harlem. And I had thought I had auditioned for the what was it? Um, like I, had, I I had auditioned for the voice department or something for singing. And it, I, I confused drama with voice. I thought drama was another word for singing. So I was like, hey, I'm going to, they call, I didn't, oh, yeah, there's another another word for singing is drama. So I'm like, I'm going for drama. I went there and sung a song in front of all those folks. And they're sitting there like, well, that was nice. You have a nice, you have a nice tone, but where's your monologue? And I didn't have any monologue prepared. And a few few days after that, um, that audition, I had an audition at Julia Richmond High School in uh, Manhattan. But drama, and so I had to learn a monologue really fast. And I asked one of my teachers um, what's a monologue. She gave me "Raising the Sun." I learned that monologue, a monologue, and that and that play really fast. And I went in front of uh, my professors there and it was terrible, but they saw something. I had one moment. They told me to improv, to improv, and I fell in love through theater uh, with uh, at that program, Julia Richmond High School Talent Unlimited Program.
0: And the, the rest is history. Because then you went on, you went on to what, SUNY Purchase?
1: Yeah, then I went on, I took some years off, took some time off after graduating school uh, to produce some plays. I had an opportunity to do some plays and some other work. And I was into music. And then I, six years after graduation, I went back to college for, I picked one school. I said, if I get into this school for theater, then I will 100% give my off. Give my and I was back in 1999, and I went there. I took that an old monologue from high school that I hadn't done in years. And long story short, you know, I got in. You know, they auditioned anywhere from 7,000 to 8,000 students. to only picked 24, 25, and I was one of the 24, 25 pick. And it changed my life.
0: So when you get out of school, and I, 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 people say this a lot, when, when you go to school and for acting, they teach you how to act, which of course, but they don't prepare you for when you get out. Like they don't prepare you. Here's how you get an agent. Here's how you do this. So, what was that like when you graduated? Because did you sit there and did you? As soon as you got out from SUNY, did you sit there and start really pursuing, trying to get TV and movies, or were you still in that theater
1: area? I was 100% film and TV. I was so burnt out with theater. I loved all the performances and plays we did in college, but I was burnt out. So I was, I was full fledged, just tunnel vision film and TV because I had never really given that a shot. I had an opportunity years ago. I mean, in high school, I went on little auditions here and there and did one big movie called Color of Justice had an open, open call audition that they had, I don't know how many callbacks, about 40 callbacks, it felt like. Um, and I got, I ended up getting the part in doing that. And so I, I had experience behind the camera. Um, I mean, I mean, working in film or on one production, but after college, it was just kind of putting my head down and being 100% serious about it. So I found um, my manager who I'm with to this day, to this day, you know, my name is Jacoby, MJ Management. And, and she believed in me and she taught me i didn't really have any experience in that regard with the business i just followed her lead and she guided me and got me to where i am at now
0: so how how did you deal early on with the frustration because you know as you know you can come off a hit tv show and in this day, you still have to audition. I mean, my friend wrote for Queen of the South, and I think they were, like, auditioning Max Van Sindel, And he's like, the guys won an Oscar. I mean, you know, what are we doing this? Right. I mean, it's crazy. When you were younger, how did you, how did you keep the focus? Because, you know, were you getting a lot of work? You weren't getting a whole bunch of work to start, were you? You, you?
1: No, I wasn't. It was, I was going out for, but I was so busy. The thing is, when I got out of school, I also started a production company. And I was always devout, know? um, you know, I'm a filmmaker, and um, I'm, I'm always working on something. I'm always editing something. I'm always shooting something. I'm always writing something. A lot of the first, I didn't really feel a lot of that found a way to create. And that was always my thing. I'm going to create by any means. And it'll be nice to be on a TV show, book a movie. But if I'm not, I'm going to create wait these tables to pay the bills and sometimes some of some some gigs would um some um, um, some of the production gigs would help a little bit but I know for myself i was always just patient you know i, I just always believed in timing um if there's any frustration it's like whenever you're you're close're like oh you're the number two you're number two you're number two i cannot tell you there was like a good like 15 auditions in a row where they're like you're the second pick you're the second pick and no one no one when you watch a film you will never know who was the other guy who was the other guy that you know that was up for that role against who who actually had it so that part early in my career became um became was frustrating at some point uh but then I got over it and then I think probably the opportunity that opened i said everything off was American gangster once that happened in two thousand and six it's been It's been nonstop, fortunately.
0: Tell me about your experience with American gangster. What happened?
1: Oh my goodness, I'm telling you, I was super intimidated, I was nervous. You got Denzel Washington, you got Russell Crowe, you got Ruby D, you got Joe Morton. I mean, really, Scott, I booked that off the tape. That was a tape that I did. It was a I think the scene was one day. I mean it was a, it was a one page scene, um, but what I did was I did an improv. Of what i thought would happen before it was like and they don't they don't watch it they don't watch it and it made it all the way to ridley scott's um uh, desk he saw it and after a long process i got it but to sit there and watch denzel watt work and russell Crowe, i just watched how detailed they were i watched how serious and focused they were um you know it was a very serious set um and we followed their leads, you know, watching Russell Crowe just, I felt like I worked with him the most because he worked the first, it was a three-month shoot, and the first 90 days with Russell Crowe, and then the second 90 days was was Denzel. So it was, it was working closely with Russell, and I was honestly supposed to only be on that set for literally one day. One day turned to three months. I was supposed to go, I, I was only in the piano scene, what eventually became the piano scene. Um, that was it. But Ridley, he liked me. He was just like, you know, I got this. We need to have someone who kind of like essentially becomes a snitch. And he started just adding me in scenes and including me in scenes. So I went there. Went back. I flew to. I had moved to LA just to fly back to New York to do American Gangster, and um, you know, went there. I, I was happy. I had to give up my place, and I. You know, bought my own ticket there, and uh, but I just learned, I felt like how to be a professional on set, how to carry myself um, as an actor and try to inspire the other actors to work and just, I don't know, just, just bring a level of focus, a level of focus and dedication. And it, I said, wait a minute, I, I need way more dedication and focus than what I was bringing prior to American Gangster, way more. Well, you know, um, and I got that from watching those guys.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because actually back in the one I did comedy, you know, I used to work the door at a comedy club in Philadelphia, and we would watch like Tim Allen as he was breaking in, all these acts come in, and you'd watch, and right. the same thing as you said, you go, you know, this the little crap I'm doing is not cutting it. Like, and it's funny, a lot of actors don't look, and especially younger, don't look into the mentorship anymore. And so many actors who've been around say, even they can be working for thirty years, they go on set and they're. But for working with like a Gene Hackman when he worked, wherever they sit there and they would say, "We would go just to watch the scenes because you learn so much."
1: Absolutely, yeah. And that was, I mean, what a gift that was for me just to kind of sit there and, you know, I didn't have a lot to say in those scenes at all. <laughs> I just had, I, I'm just present. And there, there are scenes where in that movie where I'm in the scene you just don't see me, but but just to watch, just to sit there and watch. And one thing with Denzel and and Russell they were very inclusive of everyone in terms of you if you are in this scene you are involved whether you're saying a word or not if you're breathing and you're in this scene then you you are a part of the process so it was inclusive in that way and so I learned a lot I learned a lot and I just brung I felt like that took me to another level just in terms of I got to work harder I got way more dedication way more focus way more preparation And also flexibility and adaptability. Um, Just watching them take a scene that's on the page and adapting it to the environment and to what's happening and having that superpower. I go, oh my gosh, this scene is way better than what I thought it was going to be. I'm like, I would have done it just like this, you know, without adding a single thing. But the room changes it. The wardrobe changes it. The environment changes the entire thing, and about bringing it to life, and how that was so important to them um, for them to do. So, that's one thing that I I try to bring um, to um, every set that I'm on.
0: So you're you're working you're working and then. Well, tell me about breakout games because you know it, it was just it was a really cool show. It's one of those things. I, you know, when I met my wife for a while, I was bi-coastal. I go back once every month. And then she came to LA. I'm not sure if she was in LA when that came out, but we just found it. And I think it was on A&E. It's if I remember. Yeah, and it was just one of those. My wife loves regular TV. And she goes, oh, we got to watch this show. And it just caught us because it was, you know, it was just a fun, good show. You know, there's some shows you said they're gonna real dark, but this was just a fun, good show with action. How did, how did you, did, was that a long audition process or how did that whole role come about?
1: Yeah, that was a that was an audition process too. That was my first time being in front of Nick Santora and um Matt Olmstead. They were the um the producers and creators of Breakout Kings. Uh yeah, that was my I think that was my that was my first pilot season too. I never had a pilot season um when I came to LA. It was like LA was I I was just doing a bunch of films and Never had it always was doing a film during pilot season. It's always worked out like this. Now it's 2000 and, um, uh, 2000 and what's that? 10, 10
0: or 11.
1: And yeah, it was a like 2010. And so I go in, I audition, I went in a couple of times and then you're asked to test. And then you see this amazing contract. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what? And I'm, it makes you nervous. Like, Oh Lord. And, and long story short, I, I I got the role. I got the role, and it was so many, you know, a lot of studio reads, network reads with the with the entire cast to make sure that it worked. And um, we shot that in Toronto again, where we shot Reacher. Uh, one one cool thing about Reacher was reunited with some of the crew from Breakout Kings. Uh, they worked on Reacher so that, that was really, really cool. But that was my first introduction of how working on the show episode by episode we only shot um we shot six days each episode was shot in six days so it was a lot of uh you had to know your stuff get it done in one or two takes and i loved where I, it was my first exposure to working that way and i was like i right, am let's do it so it was awesome it was great you know i'm friends with the with that cast and and obviously nick and everybody you know to this day so Oh man, it was a fun! What a blast! What a what a fun fun show that was.
0: Now, what is it? What was it like for you when it it got canceled or it ended? You know, and that always pisses me off. Like when you're watching a show and it ends. You know, what was it? Did you know the, the <laughs> did, did you see the writing? On, I mean, you know how it is. Sometimes you're like, oh, this is a great show, and then it ends, and you go, well, we never know what happened. You no, know, we never know what happened to Rob Lowe and that. But what 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 was the uh, process? Because you guys did what was it, twenty three episodes, I believe.
1: Right, yeah. It
0: was season one, thirteen. Season two was ten. Yes. So when you, it's, I'm sure it's a, it was a big high when you got picked up for season two, because you're like, right. great, and because it, it did well. And, and but you don't. One of thing is you don't really think of A and E as going to watch a series because A and E is always like you know, you know, uh, intervention or biography or that kind of crap. Right. But uh, when you guys got the second season, were you ex- were you expecting the show to go longer? Because it seemed like it was fun and it was a great cast,
1: right? We didn't know. I tell you what, A and E saved the show. If, I, if I'm not, if I, I'm not sure if I'm mistaken or not, but I think it was probably one of the first, uh, uh, like, dramatic series, um, episodic that they picked up. Uh, because originally, Breakout Kings wasn't picked up. It was done by Fox, and it wasn't picked. It wasn't picked up. Uh, well, we, we got the call that oh, the show. I'm season one. We read in the trade. We got the phone call from Nick and read in the trades that breakout kingdom and get picked up. Then a month and a half goes by, we get a phone call like, Hey guys, A&E picks us up. So a- A&E had saved the show from cancellation, um, from ever getting picked up. But getting that si- getting that season two was obviously super exciting. And getting cancelled um, we didn't I don't know, obviously it's uh you know, it's disappointing, you know, especially being fans of the show, we want to know who rattled on Zankinelli, uh, which is out there. There's still, I still want to know the answer. I still think that there's a Breakout <laughs> Kings movie that needs to be made to answer that question. It's a cliffhanger. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, I, they, I, we didn't really hang on to it too long, you know, to, kind of sat there and said our goodbyes and it was time to kind of move forward. Um, Breakout Kings set up with such a, Great launching path for all of us to do more, to do more work. So after, yeah. So it was just kind of just being grateful for what it was, for what it
0: provided, and then just being open and ready to accept what's ahead. Now, what was it like working with Lombardosi? Because he seems like a really nice guy, but he seems like he's really intense on set. Like because you're from the wire and stuff. He just, I mean, what is what was the scene? What was, was he like dumb. working with? <laughs>
1: Tom is the nicest guy, man. I'm talking about he's the sweetest. He's a gentle, kind soul. I mean, you know, not a lot of people think, think that, oh, man, this guy's going to be super tough and everything, and he knows it, too. I'm like, no, this guy is uh He plays those characters, man, but this guy is a soulful, just a warm, kind-hearted dude. He takes his work very seriously. He always comes prepared, always comes with ideas. I always say that. Me playing detectives in this part of my career, part of my biggest influence is watching um, Liza Alonzo and Dom. You know, do it, um, do it for two seasons on Breakout Kings, and taking notes and saying, "Okay, if I'm ever in that position, I'll try that. I'll do this. I'll do that." But Dom is, you know, he's authentic. You know, you, he's just just a pure, pure, pure kind soul. So yeah, it, it was crazy. So after, and after, it was good. It, yeah. And obviously, it was also it was great. It was great to see, you know, obviously
0: that he's in *Reacher* season two, right? So Which I, I, also- I watched. I watched that in like three days. Well, I couldn't. No, I couldn't. Right. So the finale on yeah. Friday. I was like, I'm, I'm start, I yeah. started streaming it, then I go, "Shit, I gotta wait. I gotta wait a week. Oh, I don't like this." Uh, so, right. I, so you're working. You're working you after *Breakout Kings*. iZombie. Zombie*, tell me about iZombie, Zombie* because it's uh, it ran for a while. So you know, you're coming off. You don't have that much of a difference that time off between series. I mean, you, you have. A, little time but for an actor right you gotta be happy that you came off one and then you got the momentum and a lot of times actors don't strike two series like five or six years in between.
1: I know, I know. Yeah. Right after I right after Breakout Kings then I did a bunch of movies with a bunch of movies and guest spots and then a year and a half what a year and a half later I got I Zombie. And I remember auditioning for IZombie 'Cause you know, I had this crazy title and I'm like, What's that? And this crazy premise. So when you read it on paper, it just sounds it just sounds a little bit too absurd. Like, what? This girl's gonna eat brains and she gets visions and this detective helps her sobs the crimes of the victims of brains she she's eaten. That sounds like a stretch. Until I read the script. <laughs> Robert on Don Thomas and Diane Ruggiero, right? Until I read the script and I said, Oh my goodness. So I went there. I didn't know whether it was going to work out. I figured I had nothing to lose and I just kind of just went for it. I went for it and it was a long process. It was a long testing process. Uh, once you get to that, to that test date, you go in in the morning to meet with the director and then you're invited to the first test. And you got a room full of I don't know maybe about twenty people, and then you leave and you see the other Clive, the, the other potential Clive Babino's and Livmore, just ever you see everybody else who could, who's up for it, and I know I didn't look like anybody. We all brung different things. So I'm like okay I'm more of the edgy kind of kind of option. This person is more clean cut. This person is like pure comedy. It was just like different types. And uh, which for me makes it easier because I'm like, oh, I just have to do what I do. Um, but I think it was about 10 hours. It was a 10-hour day of going back and forth before you make it to the network and the studio session. And what was nice was, you know, when you leave, it was down to like two of us. And then I left and I found out that I got it. And it was one of the most, I mean... I'm talking about a five-year run on that show, and we didn't—I can't say we expected that. I thought we'll, we're happy with one, and then when we got two. Um, two, we were shocked. We was like, we're definitely not going to get three. We don't know if this is going to happen. If we get three, we're all going to get tattoos. Um, and then we got three, and four, and five. In season five, we were like, we, we have to get these tattoos now because season two, we said we got season three, <laughs> we would get these tattoos. So we got to keep our karmic energy uh, um, good and. So Rose, Raúl, and I, uh, we went and got tattoos um,
0: to keep that promise. Now, what did you like about the character? I like the fact that
1: it playing Clive around so much. It, it was playing more dry comedy and playing the straight man, and how Clive evolved to that. Because I'm telling you, I wanted to laugh every single. I mean when in rehearsals I'm cracking up I'm laughing having a good time but then on action I got to pull it all in so I like how reserved he he was I love and grounded and just being grounded and trusting in that you know sometimes playing the straight man is it's difficult cuz you want to you know you want to play too I want to <laughs> be in on the joke too um but you need someone you know there's always someone someone's always someone's not always in on it, and that was my character who wasn't in on the joke or in on what was happening and so I um, like Clive Abvenel thought he was on law and order <laughs> or something um but but i like I just like that how grounded he was and also his sense of right or wrong and that that's the I think that's a correlation between Clyde Babino and Oscar Finley is they have a strong sense of right or wrong, and also myself um so that was easy to connect to, and I, uh, that's what I liked about him.
0: Well, on, on that show, and even Reacher, do, have you had the the uh, have the freedom to um, improv? And because you, you are a writer and, and you're a director so even when you read a script I'm sure sometimes you have a different take on it because you go Right. I would write it. but so have you been lucky enough to work with directors who have let you improv a little bit where you can actually bring in some of your own creativity that you actually you're not just some guy going oh I could do this you, you write you direct you produce have you had that chance in projects to bring some of your creativity and, and the freedom to improv a little bit?
1: Definitely more in film. Definitely in film. Uh, The big scene in American Gangster, for example, the piano scene with my character, that scene wasn't written like that. Originally, what was supposed to happen was I was supposed to fall into a glass table. Denzel hits me, I fall into a glass table, and that's it. It evolved into that because I remember Denzel going back and forth, and a lot of that scene is just improv, going back and forth with the girl, the guy touching my girl's booty. And that's all improv and that whole entire, that's all improv. You know, Ridley was like, just go. Just go, go, say whatever. And then Denzel comes over and I happened to fall into that piano by accident. And Denzel came over and was like, and this is during rehearsal. He was like, Hey, wouldn't it be crazy if I just come over and bang, 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 bang? And just bang his head with the you know, with with the with the top of the piano. And then Ridley came and said, That's brilliant, let's do that. They got rid of the glass table that I was supposed to fall into. And that scene became this, you know, this classic scene. But that came from you know Ridley and Denzel, uh, essentially coming up with this moment through improv. You just the environment. Um, so, but mainly through film, TV. I always say didn't need an improv in *I, Zombie* because the writing was too good. The, I mean, I can't, I, I can't. The writing was too good. Uh, the writing is better than any improv I can do. There gonna be moments and little mo. There gonna be moments and things like that, but not too heavy on the dialogue. And the same thing for Reacher they didn't have to <laughs> improv a single Oscar Finley line. The writing was too good. The writing was too good, and that's also that's also great. But maybe little moments here and there. But I feel like film, you have a little bit more opportunity to do more, more to go uh, to
0: do more improv and, and the same more. I want. I want to get to Reacher now. Because it's so funny, you know, your character, you don't like you when you come in at first. I mean, that must be great as an actor. You, you, you like, because you want to root for Reacher. I meant the show's called Reacher. And right, so you watch it. Right. But then then you really, people, you, you'll ingratiate yourself to people and they're like, ah, oh, he's a good guy. You know, he's right. But what is that like when, like, when you got cast in that, did you know the whole arc of your character for the series or did they only go episode by episode for you sir where you walked in in the first scene where you're like you know you just walk into the diner and you're like oh you know the you're like the guy and, and you're the antagonist so people are going yeah we don't like this guy even though you know it's I mean so what how did you know did you know how your character was going to arc through the series at all or was that were you told that in the beginning or was it just blindsided each episode where you saw how your character took off and all of a sudden you and Reacher were like cool together
1: it was, uh, when I booked the character, when I booked the role, I knew. And what was great about the pandemic is it was my first experience working on shows where you, where you get to read the entire arc of the character. You know, in episodic, usually you don't know what, you know, I zombie. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen with Clive and when it was going to happen with Clive. Um, I think it's a journey for the writers and the actors. Um, uh, but... After the pandemic, you have like, okay, here's eight here's all eight episodes. So I knew the entire art, which was awesome because I get to play the entire art. You know, everything that everything that Finley is, especially when you first meet him, is what Reacher how Reacher describes him. He's especially in that first episode. He goes, You're 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 tightly wound up, you're irritable, you're you know, you're all these things, and that's exactly what Oscar had to be because obviously he's hiding something and he's this this penance that he's putting himself to through that you eventually find out why he is the way he is. But knowing the entire arc before the season began allowed, it just was like a cheat code. You get to play the entire, (laughs) you, you get to play all those beats and moments um and plan those accordingly versus not necessarily knowing because i don't know how oscar would have been played if i didn't know where he was going to end i don't know how 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 necessarily what if it would have been like that but thankfully you know we had all the episodes and i think for all the actors just playing an entire arc you know it's kind of like you know doing a play You know, It's like I know exactly where I'm going to go at the end because I'm playing that entire thing. So there's parts of theater, I mean, Reacher for me that kind of felt theatrical in that preparation sense because I'm playing, I'm prepared for all eight acts. I know the entire through line of, of the character. So it allowed me to have a lot of fun and also commit to things, you know, even when um oscar is being difficult and why he's being difficult and why he's yelling at reacher and reacher just found out his brother died and and why he can just be tunnel vision on okay we're gonna i need to figure out this situation i need to put this case ahead of that and get down to the bottom of things so i think it just helped me flush out a more detailed on well-rounded character
0: how big is the guy who plays Reacher? Like, he, He's like, how tall is he? Uh, I was like 6'4 in real life. Now, is that weird when you do a scene with someone who's that, because you're not used to someone, he's an opposing person. I mean, I don't care how good of the actor, when you see someone like that, you're like, holy, holy crap. Like, I mean, what is it like right. playing in scenes with someone that big? Because it's just, we automatically get intimidated usually if someone's that big.
1: You know the thing was, yeah, he's a big dude, and also Alan's the nicest and most. He's a he's a really great. He, he's hilarious. He's a funny dude. So he does it. You know, it's funny he can sit there and just um and just just relatable. You know, he just he just he just he just he just can. He just can with your heart you just <laughs> you're just so likable so it's one of those things where and then he goes to reach and you go wait a minute you're a big dude you realize how big he is when he when he when he plays the character but no for me it was it, it was easy you know obviously reach is supposed to be that big and oscar you know oscar thinks he's that big too himself although Oscar's is small but oscar has no fear or anything to it so it felt really great to sit there and Oscar Finley is like, I'm going to chop this big old man down with my words, with my uh, more stature to chop away at. So for me, I loved it. I loved it. Um, it was, it was, I'm not going to say it wasn't intimidating. It just made it, it just made it more real. It just made it more real.
0: Now, now I'm a guy who plays with his wedding ring and there's a few scenes where you're spinning it. Now, was that your idea was that in the script and how hard, I mean spinning you were spinning a ring pretty good it was, it was going for a while I mean was that your idea or was that the writing and is that something where you have to actually practice that because it's something that yeah
1: <laughs> yeah no that's in the writing Nick Santora he did that um, his days as a lawyer and he did a video for me of him spinning the red wing and how he wanted to spin and how to sit there and practice it and then I sent them practice videos once I got it uh, but no, that was in the script. That was from that was from his actual life.
0: Now, through the season, you you, know, you start getting physical and you start shooting stuff. And now, do you have to prepare for that? Like, I mean, what what was the whole? Because there's, if you look at the show, it's not like there's these elaborate sets. But when you look at the the action scenes, they're elaborate. You take them. I mean, as we say, I was talking to a friend of mine. It's once again like breakout Kings, It's it's fun violence. It's not, it's not like, oh my God, you know, you, you, you like it somewhat, even if you're anti-violent. But when you right. see a script like that, do you have to start like getting in shape? Cause you're, cause you have to get really physical. I mean, what, you know, how do you go about preparing that? Because it's not like a role where you're just, you know, singing or dancing in theater. I mean, you have to, it's high end. Well,
1: i tell you what, one of the rules Nick Santoro told me, I think he did an interview about this too. He was just like, you know, because I'm in the gym. I stay fit. I'm in the gym. No gym um, for, for Oscar Finley. Uh, Nick said, I do not want to see one muscle. We have a joke that plays in the last episode, and it doesn't play if you have muscles. So, no, li- no weight. So, I didn't lift any weights. There was no weightlifting. There was just only treadmill, being on a treadmill, and going on long pandemic walks uh, with my wife and so. So um, throughout Toronto, and that's that was that was it. Uh, Our stunt team was great in terms of just you know, uh, at the uh, the final fight, we we started practicing that fight from the very first episode. So it was great to literally have five months of practice, of rehearsal, of that fight scene, so that when we got there on the day, we've been rehearsing it for five months, so we felt very very comfortable with it. We had the win for it. so, um, even when things changed during it, but it
0: was fun. It was fun to do. Now, do you worry when all this stuff's blowing up around you? I mean, how do you shoot that? Because that last scene is pretty <laughs> damn intense. Like, you sit there. I'm not going go right. to go spoiler anyone, but, you know, it's, it's not like... Like, look, okay, a good friend of mine's Jason Aldean's drummer. So, when he plays sometimes, right. flames shoot up, and I go... What's and he goes? It's really hot, but you stood used to it after every night. But what was it like shooting a scene like that? Because there's so much shit going on, and it's just boom, boom. This, this. I mean, how, how as an actor? How do you keep focused on that scene, or are you just so into the character and just having fun? Listen, I felt like Bruce
1: Willis from Die Hard. We kept we kept saying it. It was like this is homage. Finley is playing homage to Bruce Willis. Uh, uh, John McClane character in Die Hard, you know, with the with the with the uh, the, the the wife the, with the tank top and the um the show the, the shoulder the holsters, gun holsters. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. There was things you got things sparkling all around us. You got all this fake smoke all around the web, all the, all around. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's it was a good time I and mean, how it really looked and how. The set that the how what the set looked like was what that last scene was amazing. Um, also, I wanted to tell you, I think all of Margrave was a set, that entire town is built. That's, a, that's an entire town sitting on I think 130 acres, somewhere. Um, so I'm sorry, Toronto, I forget what part of town that was, but somewhere in the burbs of Toronto. But when we're driving, I thought, wow, this looks really like. Georgia. Like this really looks like a little and they were like, I'm like, how'd y'all make this look this looks where'd y'all find this? They were like, We built it. Traffic lights, police stations, that entire and I'm like, how how big is this? 60 acres. It's probably the largest back lot ever built in Toronto. I was like, What? But when you're on that set, you feel like you're in a town and it's and it's all literally built. It's all set pieces. All set pieces. So when you're watching Reacher season one, we're, we're on Margrave, we're on a soundstage. We're on a back lot that they built because of COVID. Because it was COVID too, so we couldn't shoot on so many locations. So they had to build it right there. And it was incredible. Incredible.
0: Now, did you get did you get injured at all in any of your shooting? Did I mean, was there, was there any hits that you took that you didn't expect to take? Because I always wonder, I don't care how good stunt people are, there's going to be a screw-up, and an actor not expecting it it must be, throw you off a little bit.
1: No, thankfully, no, I didn't get, I, I didn't get injured at all. The closest I felt to any, anything was probably the first episode. I got to really see how strong Allen Allen is. Cause Alan pops Finley in his chest just a little bit. I felt that. I was like... <laughs> You know, when I'm like, keep my wife's name out of your mouth, uh, that he pops even my chest with his fingers, I was like, this is a strong man because that little pop to my chest almost concaved my chest. <laughs> I'm like, I, <laughs> I'm like I, didn't, I didn't tell anybody. This was my first time talking about it. I was like, oh, my goodness. If, I do not want to be on the wrong side of Alan Rickson. This dude is strong. My goodness. Uh, but, no, I didn't get injured. I didn't get hurt. Everybody was... And you know, everybody was professional, and thankfully, no accidents happened. Accidents always happen, but thankfully, it it didn't happen.
0: Now, did you like your wardrobe choices? Because it's very—I uh, uh, yeah. mean, it's 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 very—it's a very classic East Coast look. You know, it's very—you know—as you see, your characters from yeah. Boston, and, and that's when you think of people from Boston. You know, we used to think back in the '80s. You know, wide whale corduroys. You know, you, you think of that that look. But did you like it? Because right. it's it's you know it, it's. You're wearing layers all the time, man. It must be like, man. Right. Reacher's got a t-shirt and jeans. I gotta do all the <laughs> shit with with layers.
1: I loved it, man. I felt like, I feel like the Black Sherlock Holmes, as Reacher said. I felt great. It it puts you back. It puts you right in. It's easy to lock in when the when that, when all that is right. I mean, building a character is more than just. What's happening internally is what's happening externally. And then, so for the wardrobe and hair, makeup, everybody putting that entire look together. And that's all Nick Santora. Nick was crystal clear on how he wanted Oscar Finley Finley to look. And being in that felt like, I'm like, I felt like, how can you not feel? I don't think I can wear tweed ever again in life without feeling like Oscar Finley. Um, and transforming into that character, it just—it just straightens you up, straightens your back. It just um, cleans up your speech. It just—you uh, know—it just makes you <laughs> more serious, more focused at the task, whatever task it is at hand. Um, but I, yeah, it was. But it 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 was great. It was hot during the summertime, obviously, because we started filming in when towards the end of winter into spring. Well, getting into spring, and so I was nice and warm during the cold days, and then when the summertime hit, woo, Definitely was method acting on that part. It was definitely hot, some uh, sweaty days, uh, but 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 a lot of fun.
0: Now, were you bummed when it when you knew because you knew it was only going to be? I mean, you come back to second season, but were you were you bummed when you found out it was over? Because it was such a character, it just looks like a fun show, because. It's not like you did a bad job. It's just that the the series is changing. There's no more room. They're not going to stay in you know Georgia the whole time. What is it like when you get no. when you, you have such a great experience and you go, shit, man, this was so fun, and now I I'm not. I mean, you came back from one episode, but it's like you're done. How does that feel as an actor? Because is it like you're breaking up with a girlfriend because you're like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm leaving now and I'm not going to see them again. Well,
1: we knew like Willow and I knew from when you signed the contract. You, we knew it from the beginning. So, we knew uh so thankfully we didn't have to find out after after doing the season. So, we knew going into it. We knew going into the season that it was going to be and obviously we can talk about it when the show was going. Um but yeah, we knew before being hired that we were only on for one season and that every every season was going to be a different book. With a different group of characters um, which book we weren't clear on that but we knew that our characters weren't going to be in it because my character only appears in one book which is um, the first book um, but he doesn't appear in any other other books so I knew going into it so I didn't feel any uh, I, I tell you what being invited to do a cameo uh, for season two was exciting that was awesome because I didn't think I would ever with tweet again and I mean, and Nick did tell me that you know we that he I think I'm, we're gonna bring Oscar back. He's gonna do a cameo for season two. So he did give me a heads up at some point right before um, season two started filming. And I'm like, hey, I would I would do it in a heartbeat. And then it, it happened. But like I said, we knew before we even signed the dotted line
0: that we were only on for one season. Because now the show is, is really popular. You know, streaming is huge, and because the strike helped that because right. there's nothing to watch. Has that upped your stock in Hollywood? Has that done, you know, has people now that may have not known you, casting directors may have not known you, are you getting more heat now because the show is so popular? I think if you're part of a hit, you're an ingredient that they go, well, he's doing something right. Because if you, if you have a character like Reacher and if you sucked, people will go, oh, this, this people wouldn't be watching the show. Have you felt some uh, heat since it's been going since it's been so popular
1: I have I have yeah and I'm grateful for everything it's been uh, I've done some amazing projects since Reacher and um it's definitely opened the doors to more to more opportunity opportunities and I think uh it also just highlights the different characters that I am playing. you know I do take pride in playing a different variety of characters so and I don't wear my characters people um Meaning that you don't know that I'm that guy. You can meet me at a Walmart, see me at a Walmart, and don't realize that I'm the guy from Reacher. And then you, you could talk about iZombie Zombie and realize that. Wait a minute, you're the guy from I Zombie. Oh, wait a minute, you're the guy from Fall of the House of Usher. Wait a minute, you're the Breakout Kings guy. You're the and so there's you know people don't realize that I'm, yeah, I'm like that I'm I'm the same guy. And for me, I I I love that. I think, I take that as a compliment when people don't recognize me from all these different projects or that they, they go, wait a minute, you look so different. Oh, that, that was like a different person. So I, I think it's just in terms of, um, it has opened up a lot of opportunities that I'm grateful for. I've worked on some projects that I'm super excited for and just a variety of characters in different roles. So, um, so and the answer is
0: yes, it has opened up some great, great, some great doors. So when you look back at back in your career, cause I always like to ask this question, what are some, uh, what is one of the highlights of your career? I mean, besides working with Denzel and Ro- Russell Crowe, which would be a highlight. I mean, they're two, you know, rock stars of actors. What have been what's what's been a really highlight of your career? When you sit there and you go, man, because you've been lucky. You've been on you've been on three series. You know, you, and you're you're a young man in in acting. Whereas I know character actors who are sixty who are working, but they've never had three series. You know. they're... They go right. from show to show. But what is what has been one of the highlights? When you sit back and what and what has made it worth you taking on the life of an actor? Because no matter what people think, me and my wife are talking about this, and that's actually out with a character actor who was visiting uh, in Philly, his son, and we were talking how everyone thinks actors are all rich. And it's like, no, it's it, they aren't. You know, they, they, they don't right. make money, but they aren't. But you, you make a commitment. So looking back, what is a highlight to you? that makes the commitment that you've made with the art worth it? Working with young people
1: and giving young people an opportunity. I work with a lot of young filmmakers and young actors and so a lot of my highlights come from being able to leave the door open for other people and seeing... Yeah, it's uh huh. Let me. I, mean, I want to give you a, a, a real answer for this. Uh, every answer's been real, but a moment that made me go, "It's so." Oh, I'll tell you. I, I know. I know what it is. I, I know what it is. Um I know what it is. So during the pen, during the pandemic, uh, my little sister, uh, who raised her three girls in Dallas, Texas, came to um, L.A. You know the you know the kids are all grown now, and she's empty nesting. And uh, she was a writer, and she was a writer um, uh, in high school, and kind of just you know dibbed and dabbed throughout the years, but never it was it never was a career thing. She was a full time mom. Long story short, the kids are out, empty nesting, and I'm like, come to L.A. Get back into writing. And she goes, oh no, it's just it's too late or whatever. Like, come on, get into it. You know, come come and get into it. Give it a shot. You know, I bring on some sets and things. We'll see what happens. And then she comes in 2020 and then a pandemic happens. I'm like, uh-oh, Oh, Oh, <laughs> all right. I said, well, this is the time to sit down and just, uh, we're going to just skill up. You know, and that was the, that was the agreement in the home. We're all going to just skill up. So, um, I started off, uh, a lot of people don't know. I'm also an editor. I worked on, I've been editing for tons of years. um uh, I would say if, if I, if, Probably if I was an an, act, an actor, I would probably be a full time editor. That's what I would do. But I, anyway, that's a whole other story. So, I, but I have everything. Like he, I still edit projects and stuff. I go on a different name and things like that. But long story short, uh, I taught her how to do it. I taught her how to. I, I taught her how to edit. And then on, she started coming on board as my assistant on a bunch of projects, and um, she actually worked on Reacher too you know she worked as my assistant or Reacher and long story short you know now she's working at a she's working for a big studio in in LA full-time and that made me go the fact that she and she's been there for the last two and a half years thriving it made it all work it it's about letting other people through other people getting through doors that I have opportunities to leave, leave behind, leave open behind me, getting through makes it all worth it And it makes me want to keep driving going for it. Um, I'm working with this young filmmaker who has a film called The Painting. It's a short film, his first film has gotten to 13 film festivals in the last three months. That makes it worth it. I mean.
0: That makes it worth it. Um, yeah, That's awesome, man. See, I love stories like that. It's always good then when you help people out. I always, you know, it's always good. I I mentor a lot of younger podcasters. I help them get guests because I've been lucky. I lived in LA, so I met a lot of people. I have a background in entertainment. But for a lot of people, they don't know how to do it. And it does make you feel good when someone says, hey, man, thanks for getting me that person. And just for you, that's a great story.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's just been so many moments like that. It's been more about, I don't know, it's been more about other people. Bidding fin bidding fitting from it and seeing that the dream you know, that my dream can make other people's dreams come true. And and it keeps and keep paying it forward and that process keeps happening. No matter you know, and obviously there's tough days, you know, or whatever and it's just like, no, that makes it all worth it. All I need to do is just lock into one of those situations and then I'm good. <laughs> whatever maybe bothering me or whatever, it goes away just like that.
0: This has been awesome, Malcolm uh, Anything coming up? What well, can we see? Uh, I mean, people go If you haven't watched Reacher Go watch Reacher I mean, I always go Everyone talks about it So go watch Reacher But anything Any other projects coming up?
1: Yeah, we uh, we have uh, Netflix's uh, For the House of Ushers. So definitely check that out That's a reunion Between Raul Coley and I um, and, that, that, and that show's been doing well And all the love has been great And got a feature film Coming out Called uh, Retribution uh, That's a fun one and another film called Great Wall, the Great Wall of Warren, that'll be out soon. Uh, oh, there's, yeah. There's a quite. There's a lot of films coming out. So I've done a lot of feature films over the last year and a half. So I can't wait for
0: everybody to see them. So people keep keep your eye on Malcolm. I always say also go to IMDb, look up Malcolm Goodwin, and just go and look at his work. Look at his past work and you see what it's all about. Uh, are you on Twitter or uh, X? Whatever they call it, Twitter or any of that or Instagram? You on there?
1: yeah i am i am under i'm under so malcolm J.
0: goodwin so people go follow malcolm uh, follow me uh, at cooper talk on twitter go to my website CooperTalk.net. you can find over 990 episodes email me at cooper cooper remember i'm steve cooper i'm only as hip as my guest don't forget drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins and i'll talk to you next time thank you